my name is Mr. Long. And I'm Mr. Buck. And this is The Invisible Hand, a podcast about economics for all you students at F.L. Schlegel. the people and i guess the invisible hand because we use this in both sections this is the news part mm-hmm. and you know what long there actually i'm like very surprised at how little news we've had over the past week surprisingly the big things that uh, matter the most for government and econ um could kind of be summarized in one event which is the u.s presidential debate that just happened right because it, it feels like 2020 like Every week, there's like 15 stories, and we're like, "Well, we got to pick and choose what to what to talk about." Yep. But this week, it's honestly been a little slow. But there's been a bit of a momentous moment, like, uh, like you said there, long right? It's the presidential debate, yeah, right on on Tuesday. You know, and I gotta say, sometimes it's good when there's less news to report on, because often the news not not necessarily the greatest. No, we've really we've really talked about some real. Uh, I don't know some real good things, right? Yeah. That's how all of our news moments have been. They've always, always been good and great. Positive. Everything in the world is doing uh, great. Twenty twenty is just fine. This is fine. Yeah. Nope. Status quo. Normal year. Normal. <laughs> I'm just so bored. I just wish we could break this routine of being bored all the time. <laughs> Obviously, if you've listened to this news section at all before, you know that's a hundred percent not true. <laughs> yes. Um, in fact, it's been the opposite. But sarcasm anyway. alert. Uh, <laughs> say you're not supposed to teach using sarcasm. Well, I, uh, I, I would, I'll disagree to disagree. <laughs> I teach exclusively with sarcasm. I only teach sarcasm <laughs> in all my classes. That's right. <laughs> all right. So, so let's jump in. So this is the news section. After this section, obviously, if you've listened before. We'll get into the information for the class, whether it be the economics class or the American government class. But we want to start off with the big stuff that's happening around the world uh, in civics. And like we said, it was the presidential debate. Now, I'm going to be honest, Mr. Long. I, uh, I couldn't watch it, man. Oh, sounds like you're a horrible American citizen. I definitely am. I couldn't watch it. I, uh, I just didn't have the mental capacity. I, I picked up on the highlights the next morning about what went down. But maybe you can give me the, the on-the-ground feel. Of course. Uh, and when I say that Mr. Buck is a horrible American citizen, again, I'm being sarcastic. He's a great American <laughs> citizen. And to be honest with you all, I, I actually um, I don't regret watching them, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to stomach watching the next three debates uh, <laughs> right. because that's how bad it was. Now, now, if you look at the news, you're going to see mostly people complaining about the debate. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you, students. The first 15 minutes was mostly Trump and the um, narrator, the uh, what's his name? What was his name? Wallace. Yeah. Wallace, I believe. Yeah, they, it was just them arguing while Joe Biden kind of just laughed and shook his head. And uh, 
to, to be honest with you, it, it was very unprofessional, um, which we've kind of grown accustomed to with Trump. Uh, of course, that sort of is what maybe gives him some of his political strength is that he has got a mentality that he will do whatever it takes to win. Um, it, it, yeah, it, it plays with some people for sure. Yeah, and, and a lot of people may view that as a, as a beneficial thing. Sure, fine, whatever. Um, it, it was a pretty rocky start and uh, it just never really let up. Um, at one point, Joe Biden actually told Donald Trump to shut up. During, yeah. during the debate. Um, yeah, the quote was, will you shut up, man? But <laughs> That I was think, literally what it was, will you yeah, shut up, man? I think, I think the most pressing piece of the debate that hit me uh, was the response to the coronavirus. Um, Joe Biden basically came out and said that Donald Trump had not done enough to prepare America and that um, they were not doing, that America, that he had not done enough to prevent the live, the deaths of 200,000 um, 200, Americans. What are we at now? 200,000 and some change yes. now? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. We have almost tripled the amount of casualties we had in Vietnam. Um, with we're, we're closing in on my, so my understanding, I think we talked about this a couple of weeks back, but we're closing in on World War II numbers yeah. of deaths. Uh, and that's, that's the second leading cause of death in American history, the first being the Civil War. I think the Civil War yes, was like 800,000 yes. or so. Something like yeah. that, yeah, of, of American lives. Yes. Yeah. That's terrifying, especially since we're, we're now in October, so it's the 10th. This started at the very, very end in America of February, so we're eight months in. Yeah, and it's, definite, it's, it's absolutely not slowing down. In fact, I think it's, it's resurging not. right now as we speak. We're, we're getting 40,000 new cases per day, yeah. and Donald Trump's response was basically – I have a mask. I wear masks. We've done a lot. We have a lot of ventilators. And we've had a lot of ventilator shortages. People have been wearing masks, but there's been no federal mandate. So Trump has never come out and said all of America needs to wear masks when out in public. Right. And states and cities have been doing that. And it's not gone. As right. Well. And this is a good moment for this class, especially to talk about uh, uh, when it comes to power, you have federal power, which is what we've been learning so far in American government. But we'll see that states also have their own power to make laws and, and cities as well, actually. So what we've currently got right now is states and cities making up their laws about mask usage instead of a federal decree that would apply to everybody. Yes. And typically speaking, um, the Republican Party usually wants more state power than federal power. Right. Uh, they're usually advocates for that. And then the Democrats, it's just the opposite. They often are in favor of more federal power than um, state. So, so, yeah. So the coronavirus response, in a way, kind of plays with the, 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 the Republican Party's ideals. Mm -hmm. Let the states do what they yeah. want, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So that information was super interesting to hear them talk about. Um, and, and, and a lot of it kind of came off as Trump's own denial. And Biden talked about a plan he, he seemed to have had. Uh, but never really specified any details of that. To be fair, he never really got a chance because whenever his time would start to speak, Trump would usually um, start interrupting and avoiding questions. Right. Um, so, so, yeah. so one of the things in, in presidential debates, like, like the, the reason that they're supposed to happen in theory is that this is when the president gets to come up and present his policy changes or the, the, the president who wants to be president, right? The candidate. 
Um, mm-hmm. And so they come forward and they talk about, well, what's your stance on crime? What's your stance on uh, wars? What's your stance on blah, blah, blah. Um, this one didn't get to get as much of that, really. Would you agree yeah. from what you saw? I didn't watch the whole thing, obviously. There was a, um, now typically politicians like to avoid questions um, and they'll give non-answers to questions. And uh, there was a lot of that in this debate. Right. Um, you could see uh, with a lot of Joe Biden's answers that he was able to give, he is appealing more towards moderate voters who might be on the fence or po- possibly voters that did vote for Trump in the last election and are um, teetering on the fence. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seemed to be his approach. And Trump's approach was basically like, everyone makes me look bad. I've done great things, but everybody's attacking me all the time, trying to play the victim card, right? Yep. And uh, and then just avoiding questions. Sure. And he he wouldn't really give a legitimate response to Biden when Biden was like, 200,000 American lives have been lost in the last six, seven months. Right? Yeah. And Trump then accused Biden, some policy Biden supported in the 1990s for killing like 300,000 black people. Oh, so, yeah. And so his pivot, a, a little connection. This is yeah. history. His pivot was to the uh, the crime bill under Clinton uh, in the 90s when um, when uh, Biden was a senator and how he was for this crime bill that ended up putting a lot of um, people of color in prisons and things. Yeah. Yeah. And then. um Hands down, the most controversial part of the debate that has to be talked about. Right. The very end, the last question that was asked was basically, Donald Trump, do you condemn white supremacy? And he did not answer the question. In fact, he told a group of white supremacists to stand by. Right. A a paramilitary group called the Proud Boys, which you might have heard of. Um, So the question line essentially was this. Chris Wallace... Uh, the guy that was moderating, the guy who was answering the questions, um, he, he he turned to Trump kind of at the end, and he was getting closing statements. He's like, will you right now condemn white supremacy in America? Meaning, will you say that white supremacy is a bad thing and it shouldn't be tolerated in this country, right? He asked Trump this question, and uh, he stalled for a minute. So Trump responded, and he said, what do you, what, what do you want me to call them? He kind of, that was his response. And he was like, well, will you condemn white supremacy? And mm-hmm. Joe Biden chimed in and he said, the Proud Boys. So Joe Biden brought up the Proud Boys, which is this paramilitary organization. You can look them up. Be careful what you read, right? <clears throat> um, yeah. And he said, well, what do you want me to call them? He stalled for a minute. You can watch the video. And then they both started saying, do it. Condemn them. Say that white supremacy is a bad thing. Do it. And uh, he said, well, a lot of the attacks that I've seen have come from the left. That was the first thing he said. A lot of the stuff that I've seen has come from groups like Antifa. They're the ones who started it. And he said, this is what I'll say. He said, he said, uh, Proud Boys, stand by and stand back. Or maybe stand back and stand by either way. That's what he said. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of saying, yeah. instead of saying, I condemn white supremacy, I do not think white supremacy is a good thing, which is what the moderator asked him to say. He said, Proud Boys, yeah. stand by, stand back and stand by. Yeah. When we look, um, I'm looking at uh, at their page right now. The is it a Facebook page or just a website? The, uh, so this is, um, there are three different sources on this uh, from the Portland Mercury, the New Republic, which is another magazine, and then the Guardian. So three different journalism uh, sources have stated that the Proud Boys, 
this group believes men, especially white men, in the culture and Western culture are under siege and that they have elements of a white genocide conspiracy theory. Additionally, the group has officially rejected white supremacy, but has significant ties with white supremacist groups. Did they give any examples? Okay. I'm, I'm assuming like the KKK being so an example. If I take a, I'm looking here. Members have participated in multiple racist events and events centered around anti-left violence with former member organizing the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the organization glorifies violence. So the Unite the Right rally, by the way, was the one where that girl was run over by a car. Yeah. Yes. Um, and killed. Yeah, and right? killed. And the, the guy that hit her uh, got life in jail. He was a proud boy. He was a proud yeah, boy. Yeah. And um, I mean, I don't care how you look at it. They're they're a neo-fascist group. They are promoting fascism. And that's what they post, put up with. Um, or that's what they proudly post. And that's uh, their organization's uh, motto, essentially. Their 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 aims. Yeah. Uh, underneath their flag, it says the West is the best. Okay. And uh, it's definitely a group that has a lot of complicated issues surrounding it. Uh, seems to be really, really into violence. And uh, yeah, y'all, um, Donald Trump would not say that white supremacy is a bad thing so, in the debate. So, yeah. And so here's here's the thing. I want to I pause real quick and just say, like, again, sure. it's never our job to influence your opinion about political leaders right our job like we've said every podcast if you've listened is is to inform you about what's happening Mm -hmm. right but one of the things you have to understand about this this moment what happened here is um both sides republicans and democrats when he did this were both like are you kidding yeah. Even Fox News, his biggest, his biggest um, news agency who, who supports him, even, th- even they were like, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. Literally, uh, I forget one of the ladies, one of the ladies on Fox News responded to the event by calling it an ish show, fill in the blanks. On live TV, she said, well, that was an ish show. <laughs> yeah. The, and those um... are his biggest supporters in terms of popular media. Now it's it's absolutely astounding um, that debate and and what it's kind of a reflection of what's going on in this country. Now again, not to politicize uh, any any of you, not our intention. Correct, um, right? To just state what happened in the debate: two old white guys went on stage and yelled at each other. Um, there was not a lot of real for an hour and a half. Substance. Yeah. yeah that was talked about as far as the future of America, the few moments that were, that there were things said were blanket statements for the most part, no real policies and act like talked about nothing like of substance. And it, it kind of just felt like watching Jerry Springer. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, 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 the scary truth is that this is our country. These are our leaders. If for some reason you feel that neither of them are good enough, if you don't like them, it is your job as an American citizen to find another person to run yourself for presidency one yep. day. To do something or, about or, it. To take, yeah, to take it into your own hands. The whole foundation of this nation is the idea that the people have the power. Correct. Now, is that true historically? 
I'll I'll go ahead and say absolutely not. <laughs> right. Is it better today than it has ever been? I think so. Right. Is it good enough yet? I don't know. There's so. we there's definitely progress to be made. <laughs> absolutely. For sure. And what I mean, this this brings to mind one topic, and I know we're railing on this one topic this whole time, but this is really the only news story that's really happened. But I think it has a lot of important implications. One of the things I found as I was kind of looking up this thing and and, and what happened and, you know, what to talk about. Someone did an analysis of our government and and the ages that make up our government and um, the average age in America. If you take all the people that are alive and, and see you know, average it out. It's 37. Like all the babies and all the old people wrapped up. The average age of Americans is 37, right? Yep. Makes sense. Um, our presidential debates are being argued by two 70 year olds yelling back and forth at each other. Um, our Senate average age is 62 and our house of representatives average age is 57. And so if you average all those numbers out, we end up with a government whose age is the lower 60s, I believe, somewhere around there. But they're making the decisions for an average age country that's 37. Right. Meaning, yeah, it's starting to seem and I think debates that what America really wants is not being dealt with by the people who are there to represent us. That has probably been the case in every election ever. My I would argue um, especially, I guess, in the last 50 to 100 years or so, that if you look at voter turnout, my assumption would be, since World War II especially, that the majority of active voters and participants in our political system are old people. Yeah. Right? They always show Who up. should have control over the future of this country? Old people or young people? And ideally, I mean, we know it's a rhetorical question, but ideally it should be the young people who are making decisions about what this country is going to look like in 30 years. I, yeah, I agree. I don't think that is rhetorical. I think that question is has got answers, like as many answers as there are Americans. I really yeah. do. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like it seems obvious that shouldn't the young people care more than any other group and uh, it is their future and so this gets us into our into another topic right which is that's idea that uh people have to vote like yeah you can't just give up and say well none of these people represent my beliefs so i'm just not going to vote yeah voter turnout has been abysmal we've had more people not vote in the last several elections than vote right and that is not a good reflection of our country when it when it comes time to like make big decisions correct if the majority of americans aren't voting and taking part in the government the government is going to take over the majority of americans that's a that's perfectly said i couldn't say it any better myself the the other thing that i believe wholesomely is that you may not actually be interested in government that's true like maybe you don't care about it and i we can't make Uh it but the government is absolutely interested in you and what you're interested in and if you're not voting if you're not paying attention the government is paying attention to it's going to tell it's going to tell you what you think <laughs> yeah yes. yeah and they will benefit from yeah. it, folks yeah i mean for real um not to be a gripey teacher uh and honestly i love my job would never quit obsessed with uh my career um i just have to say like people used to have things called unions Unions used to be very successful in getting like workers rights and, and pay and wages and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And 
y'all, you, the biggest union in the United States is the the teachers union, the NEA. Yeah. A teachers have not gotten a pay raise since the 90s. Right. Like, and inflation has gone up. Not that I'm complaining and want more money. Of course, I do have Cash App and Venmo. <laughs> if you'd like to send it to just kidding. I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm completely. Uh, and honestly, in Kansas City, I, I think Bucky might say the same. Like, a teacher salary goes a long way in Kansas City. Yeah. Um, but you look at cities like L.A., uh, if you live in the Irvine area, the teachers make so little and the area around Irvine, California is so rich that the school districts had to build housing on site for teachers because they couldn't afford to live within Dang. an hour of the school. Dang, that's wild. I didn't know that. That's that's horrifying. Yeah. That is a, that is a sign that there is something wrong with the system. <laughs> With the system yeah. and, and our, our union has just no power. It has nothing. Right. If it doesn't have control or some say in that. And so, so. and so to bring it back then, I think the, the yeah. debate was kind of, kind of a, a small microcosm of all that. If you looked at those things and you looked at that debate and you're like, this is a mess. This, this is neither what, this is what nobody wants, but this is what we have right now. Right. That's why political involvement matters. Yeah. And so I'd, I'd be curious to wrap this up with one last thing, especially since you watched the debate, then I'll give my opinion too here. But who do you think, who do you think came out of this debate looking more electable? Who came out of this debate looking like the person who's going to take it, in your opinion? Who won, I guess? Sure. So uh, I'll, I'll say two things on that. Um, it was stated before the debate happened, who is going to look more powerful, Okay. Doesn't doesn't matter what the policies are. Who's going to look more powerful? Because that's really what this was. I can look bigger than you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll I'll tell you right now. As far as that perspective goes, Trump dominated speaking time. He he talked over everybody. He made a scene. He made a show, and he had control of that debate for a period of time. Yeah. Um, it was babbling. It kind of came off like a middle schooler was like freaking out or something. Um, but he did own that state. Yep. He really did. Um, as far as, and I, I was looking at some statistics, so I'm kind of cheating here. As far as the American public, do they really want to debate Joe Biden? Really considered the winner because possibly his composure. Maybe because he had answers. Maybe, he, maybe a lot of Americans are fed up with Trump. I'm not really and sure they, why. They could have just been biased to just say he won because I like him better. Yeah. yeah, so that, he's Biden is leading in the polls right now. Um, but we learned like, in 2016 that doesn't matter. <laughs> that technically, yeah, we're not gonna we're not gonna act like that is a done deal because exactly 2016 Hillary led the polls all the way and then election day she lost. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'll go ahead and say I I kind of think Trump won it. Yeah, um, even if he didn't really get any real content or substance across. I think that, I think the guy came off as a more powerful person than Joe Biden. Did. I, I, I'd, I'd agree with you. I think he looked, if you're, if you're rating this on who had the most showtime and who got the most attention easily Trump. Yeah. He, 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 he did what he does. Right. Which is, which is take airtime and everyone stares at him. And, and some people say, how could you do this? Some people say, look at him go either way. I think he took the debate in, for that regard. It's up to the people now, I guess, to say, do I want that in a president or not? You think about you think about their backgrounds. Trump is a TV reality star. 
there is no such thing as bad press for folks like that, right? Yeah. Any any attention is good attention for a celebrity. That dude knows how to do that. Mm-hmm. You know? I would agree. Yep. Um, the the only other tiny little piece of uh, news I wanted to share, and I'm sure most of you don't care because maybe you're not baseball fans. I know that <laughs> football's the world now. All we care about is Mahomes, and I love Mahomes. I'm a huge football fan too. He's having a baby. He is having a baby. My favorite Royals player of 14 years retired recently. Alex Gordon, number four oh, left field. Yep. He is finished. He he retired. He only played for the Royals for his entire MLB career. We've only got a handful of Royals that did that, including George Brett. I was going to say, did George Brett do that? Yeah, okay. Yeah, and George Brett had the option. He really, it was a big deal for him because he, he could have left. Um, I don't think Gordon quite had the same opportunity that that um, George Brett did. I don't know if Alex Gordon will end up in like the Hall of Fame, but he probably will have some monuments or stuff around. Royal oh, City. that's cool. He was a big part of our 2014 entering the World Series and 2015 win of the World Series. My favorite thing about that guy, no reaction at all. He'll hit a grand slam. And his biggest reaction is that he blows a bubble and runs the bases with like his <laughs> finger up. There's no cheering. There's no shouting. He's, he looks like he's just like a sad mopey kid. <laughs> he's also getting paid millions of dollars to and hit a ball with so, a stick. Yeah. And he, he's always just been this guy that's like, like when they, when Whit Merrifield said, you're going to have a statue out at Kaufman, he goes, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> I mean, and it's like, what on earth, man? So, he's, he's just a sad <laughs> kid on the team. <laughs> so there you go. There's your news for the week. You got the uh, presidential debate. And I would challenge you guys, don't just take our word for it on our analysis, man. Go watch it. Go watch the highlights if you want to see what it was really like. Yeah. Form your own opinions, like we say every day, you know, or every podcast, rather. Um, but yeah. That's the news. And there's going to be three more of these. So if you didn't get your fill, oh, just wait. We can watch. <laughs> All right. We'll be right back with a little bit of information. Government. And econ. And we're back. Hey, everybody. It's just Mr. Buck here today to give us the news for economics because Mr. Long is out. Um, so it's going to be just me giving you all the information so I can say whatever I want. And we can all just talk bad about Mr. Long because he's not here to defend himself. Just kidding. I'm not going to do that. He's a great person and a beautiful soul. So let's jump into what we have learning this week. Um, this week, we're going to start getting to the end of the first unit in economics, in this intro to economic thinking. This is really the last week of any new information um, because the week following, we're going to start putting together these pieces into our first little test. Um, and then after that, 
that next week, start to get to some more exciting thinking of economics and the big world stuff. Now, if you haven't noticed, what we've kind of been doing this whole unit is planting little seeds of ideas, right? We've been talking about the beginnings of things that in a couple weeks' time are going to start to become bigger ideas, right? So we're going to start talking about supply and demand. And when we get to supply and demand, we'll go back and remember, talk about costs and benefits and say, do you remember talking about costs and benefits? Well, here's the payoff. Um, and so we're kind of doing that same thing this week, as well as tying it into what we finished up last week. So with that said, let's talk about what these topics are. So this week, we have two assignments that really kind of connect in one big way. Uh, we're on Unit 1, Lesson 9, and Unit 1, Lesson 10 this week, and they're both around the different types of economies that exist in the world. We can call them economic systems. Uh, and both assignments are going to be dealing with this. And this is actually going to grow as well from what we did last Thursday, Friday, last week, the circular flow model. Because from the circular flow model, we saw that all economies really have three big pieces. It doesn't matter if we're talking about the economy of India, we're talking about the economy of Russia, uh, Nigeria, North Korea, uh, Mexico, they all have three big pieces. And those three big pieces are, they have households, they have governments, and they have businesses or firms. And depending on in each of those economies, who makes the most choices is going to depend on what type of economy they are. So with that said, let's jump right in here. Um, so the, an economic system to start us off is essentially a system, an organized system for how a country is, decides that it's going to give out its resources, right? Every country in the world has resources whether it be uh, money, whether it be oil, whether it be land. And the way that a country decides to give out those resources is what makes it one type of economic system versus another, right? See how that idea of resources starts to get recycled? And I should pause here real quick and mention that when we talk about these topics, we're talking about big economics. We're not talking about individual little decisions like cost and benefit, should I buy this candy bar or not? We're talking about countrywide economic systems, a thing we'll learn about later called macroeconomics, big economics. So far, we've been talking about micro or little, and we'll get to that later. So this is a macroeconomics idea, a big idea about economic systems. And the three key questions that every economic system has to answer, and this is coming from the PowerPoint, by the way, if you kind of want to follow along, is in an economy, what is it going to make? What is it going to produce? How is it going to produce it? And then who gets those resources? So it doesn't matter, again, whether we're talking about Japan, whether we're talking about Canada. They all have to answer as a society, as a government, what are they going to make? How are they going to make it? And then who gets the stuff that they make? And depending on those answers, again, it's going to depend on what type of economic system you are. So the three types, we have what's called a planned economy. 
It can also be called a command economy. I like the word planned, but some people call it command. So those words are interchangeable, but we'll call it planned for now. We can have a planned economy. We can have a market economy. And then the last one is we can have a mixed economy. Those are the three economic systems that exist today. Technically, there are four. Some economists say there's actually four economic systems. And the fourth one, they say, is an agricultural system, meaning a system that doesn't have modern society. People just farm, right, in those kinds of econ uh, economies. But those economies really don't exist in much of the world today, right? So really, we're going to stick with three. There are planned markets, planned economies, market economies, mixed economy. So a planned economy, to start us out, is an economy where all the decisions, all the choices that are made in that economy are controlled by the government, right? Households, government, and businesses, they can make choices. In a planned economy, they give all those choices to the government, and the government makes them for you. Now, we can tie this into some politics stuff. We can tie this into American government or just government studies a little bit because usually the economies that are going to have a planned economy where the government makes all the decisions are going to be the types of economies like communism where the government has a lot of power and it makes a lot of the decisions for you or a socialist system, socialism, where the government makes a lot of decisions for you. Now. The second one is market economies. And market economies are types of economies where individuals and businesses make the decisions. In a market economy, the government has less control in that households, government, business idea. The governments have less power, and it's the households or the individuals, the households, and the businesses make all of the decisions. And this type of uh, economy typically is known as capitalism. And there's some words that might be, if you've had some, some teachers for American history, those are some words that hopefully in the back of your head, you're like, oh, I think I've heard of that before. Now let's talk about problems real quick, and this will help us get to the third topic. In a planned economy, there's definitely problems that happen, especially in a pure planned economy. For instance, in pure communist countries, if the government makes all the decisions for you, then a lot of times those, those decisions are going to be super ineffective. For instance, especially if you look at the PowerPoint, uh, I have a picture in there of a factory in Soviet Russia, in communist Russia, where the, the, the workers are making hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of tractors. They've been told by the government today, you're going to make a bunch of tractors. But here's the problem. There's no buyers for those tractors. No one was buying the tractors. And so in this system, a lot of times resources can be wasted. Now, that's not to say this is a bad system. That's up for you to decide on your own. But a lot of times those resources can be wasted because if the government doesn't know what everybody really needs, they just tell you what you need. Well, then you're going to make 300 tractors and no one's going to buy any from you. And then you just have a bunch of tractors sitting around and you've wasted a whole bunch of resources, a bunch of land resources, a bunch of labor resources, a bunch of capital resources, and a bunch of entrepreneurship resources because everyone's being told what they have to make. So planned economies have their own problems. 
But don't think that market economies get out of the woods without having their own problems too. Market economies where the households and the businesses make all the decisions can end up with a system where there's no government control and people end up getting hurt pretty badly. Um, for instance, if you look at the PowerPoint, I'm on slide 10 right now of the economic systems PowerPoint, if you want to look at it, this is a picture of a tenement from the early 1900s, late 1800s in America, where there was no government control over housing, over what could be considered a house. And so you would have businesses put up houses where you would have maybe 15 people in an apartment or in a house and there'd be no bathroom, and there wouldn't be any power, and there wouldn't be any lights, no running water, because the government has no control. There's no way for the government to say, well, you can do this or you can't do that. Another great example, which you might have heard if you had me for American history, um, is The Jungle by Upton Sinclair, famous book from the 1880s, I believe. I might have my years wrong there, but it's in the 1880s or 90s. Um, about how the businesses that used to produce the meat in America at that time, since there was no government control, since it was a market economy purely, well, sometimes the meat wasn't real meat. Sometimes it was rat meat. Sometimes maybe a person would fall into the meat making machines and they would just get sent out to the people to buy because there's no government control. The businesses in the household get to do whatever they want, right? By the way, if you're curious, that type of capitalism is called laissez-faire capitalism. Look it up. It's kind of a historical term. Um, it's basically this idea that the government has no control and the people in the household make every decision. So we can see that this is not necessarily good either. It's not necessarily good to let the government make every decision for you. It's also not necessarily good for the individuals and the, and the, the households and the businesses to make every decision on their own with no government control. So that brings us to the third type, right? The government control is the planned. The people, the households, and the businesses control everything as market. The last one is a mixed economy. And since you're listening to this podcast, I'll kind of give you a hint. Almost every economy in the world is really mixed. There's almost no economies in the world that are pure market or pure planned. There's a couple but almost every economy in the world is really mixed because in a mixed economy, the government has some control. The households have some control of the choices and the businesses have some control of choices. So for instance, this is like America. Uh, going back to the jungle example, that famous book about the meat making uh, uh, meat plants in America in the late 1800s. Today, we have government control over that thing called OSHA. And if you have a job, you might have heard of OSHA. They're the Occupational Safety and Health Administration. They're the ones who come into the jobs and they say, hey, you can't have a big meat plant thing with no railings. <laughs> you have to put railings up so people can't fall in. Uh, you can't have people work 15-hour shifts with no breaks, things like that. right? So the government has stepped in to have some control over decisions. The businesses can still function and make meat. The households can still choose to spend money on what they want, but now the government also steps in and says, we're going to have a little control over what you do. And that's a mixed economy. And so the work we're going to do with that 
now that we know that there's the planned market and mixed economies, on this assignment, in class, everyone's going to be given, or everyone's going to get to pick from a list of about 10 different countries that exist in the real world. The countries we'll look through is Israel, Saudi Arabia, Turkey, China, India, Japan, North Korea, South Africa, and Nigeria. So a lot of varied economies spread throughout the world. And you guys are going to go online and do a little bit of research to figure out the basic answers to those questions. What does that country make? How does your country make it? Who gets it? And then lastly, what type of economic system, based upon the system we looked at, planned, market, or mixed, would you say your economy belongs to? And we'll make little Google Slides with this, little, little tiny PowerPoints that we can then kind of teach the rest of the class about um, our country, our economic system in our country. So that's the first assignment that week, next week. The second thing is, and this ties right into doing that, we're also going to show off what you guys make. I'm going to go through once you turn them in, and I'm going to pick out the types of economies, a couple ones from all the PowerPoints that everyone's going to make, all the Google Slides that everyone's going to make. And we're going to share them out. And then we are going to record for each country, whether it's more of a planned economy, whether it's more of a mixed economy, or whether it's more of a market economy. Because like I said, in actuality, almost every economy is really mixed, but they lean a certain way. So for instance, uh, the US, United States, leans pretty heavily towards a market economy, although it's still mixed. It leans towards the market side. Then you have other countries, um, say uh, Sweden, for example, that starts to lean a little bit more towards the plan side. It's still mixed, but it leans to the plan side. And so the second assignment for the week is going to be going through each of these countries that people find the information for, showing off a little bit of the PowerPoints for them, and then figuring out which way the country leans, if it leans planned or if it leans market, on a continuum, because really every economy is mixed just to more or less of a degree. So that's the learning for the week. I know this wasn't as fun as funny without Mr. Long here because he's the funny guy. <laughs> but with that said, uh, that takes us up through the information for this class this week. Um, I look forward to seeing y'all in class. Uh, thank you for listening. Bye-bye.